Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the Corbett Report. I am James Corbett of CorbettReport.com, and you're tuned into Solutions Watch, where week in and week out, we are exploring ways that you can improve your life and help change the world for the better. And this week, we're going to be talking about one of the biggest problems that is facing, well, probably almost everybody in the audience at this point, which is the threat of vaccine mandates, whether that is no jab, no job, or no jab, no service, or something along those lines. And I say this advisedly because, as you know, I hear from people all around the world every single day of the week, and increasingly, with increasing frequency, I'm hearing from people who are feeling the pinch of these mandates, whether it's the post-secondary student in Alberta who's wondering whether they're going to be able to complete the degree they've been working towards for years without taking the shot, or the concerned parent in Montreal who just got an email from their school board saying that uh, their child will be forced to be vaccinated, quote-unquote, in order to participate in sports or outdoor activities, or the worker at a uh, an IT worker in Colorado who works in the healthcare industry, who uh, whose employer, and this was weeks ago, was talking about give, giving special stickered badges for the vaccinated and treating the unvaccinated as lepers, and obviously things have even probably gotten worse since that point. So I know a lot of people are feeling this. Even it is coming home to roost here in Japan. You might remember just a couple of weeks ago, I was talking on Questions for Corbett about what's going on in Japan, where I noted that while the Japanese government had instituted a type of vaccine passport certification system for international travel, the regulatory minister come vaccine czar over here, Taro Kono, had said, oh, we're not planning any use of this domestically. Uh, That would be discriminatory. Well... Lo and behold, just a few days after I recorded that, uh, one of the headlines here in Japan is that one of the candidates to take over the leadership of the LDP, now that Suga has stood down and thus become the next prime minister of Japan, Fumio Kishida is talking about how we need the introduction of digital vaccine passports, proving a person's record of inoculation to facilitate economic activities once the spread of the virus comes under control. Once it comes under control? (laughs) Anyway, it doesn't have to make sense. It's not supposed to. So even here in Japan, of course, they're not going to set up this incredible international coordinated infrastructure for all of this rollout of these vaccine passports and not use them. This isn't about a virus. This is about a changeover in the monetary system uh, governing the planet. So uh, this is just one, one brick in that wall, and we can expect it everywhere. So I know this is an issue that's affecting a lot of people, and while there are some successes here and there, question mark, at least for now, question mark. For example, in the UK, where apparently they are backing off on their plan to institute a vaccine passport in order to access pubs and clubs uh, because of Ayn Rand, question mark. (laughs) Despite those seeming successes, at least for the time being, there are a lot of worrying signs that this type of no-jab, no-job, or no-jab, no-service policy is being instituted in country after country all around the world right now. I'm announcing that the Department of Labor is developing an emergency rule to require all employers with 100 or more employees that together employ over 80 million workers to ensure their workforces are fully vaccinated. Italy is about to become the first European country to mandate COVID-19 health passes for all workers. In future, employees will need to have a so-called green pass or be suspended from their jobs without pay. We're going to move to a situation where, to protect the health system, we're going to lock out people who are not vaccinated and can be. If you're making the choice not to get vaccinated, then you're making the wrong choice. Greek Prime Minister Kyriakos Mitsotakis ordered all staff in hospitals and retirement homes to book an appointment before mid-August, saying the country is not going to close down because of the attitude of some people. And in France, President Emmanuel Macron has announced a September deadline for medical workers to be inoculated. 
effectively bringing in measures around mandatory stay at home and work from home. Uh, gatherings limited to one household plus another, only up to 10 people as well as that. Masking in schools from grade four uh, and upwards. Uh, calling it a proof of vaccination or uh, in the words of the premier, uh, a negative test, but not in the words of so many others, calling it a vaccine passport. Still, that is everything in name but as they move forward with a situation that many hoped wouldn't. And certainly in the words of the Premier, a situation that many are calling a stunning about face. All right, I'm sure I do not have to belabor the point. There is a problem. You know about that already. You're not here to dwell on that. You are here to look at the things that we can do about that problem. So, of course, we are going to address that today. But first, the proviso, as always, you'll remember from the introductory episode of Solutions Watch back in January that the proviso for Solutions Watch is that there is no magic silver bullet one size fits all solution for any of these problems. But that's especially true for the specter of vaccine mandates in various forms, because there are as many different permutations of mandates and regulations and quasi regulations and exemptions and other such things as there are jurisdictions. So it's going to be absolutely different for each and every single person in the audience uh, right now, or at least people in different jurisdictions. But today we can at the very least broach the broad different out outlines of the, the, the types of solutions that present themselves to this problem. And I, I break that down into four separate categories. There are the so legal solutions or legal challenges at any rate to the vaccine mandates. There are the workarounds, ways you can skirt around the issue without necessarily having to confront it head on. There are the various forms of protest and petition that can be done um, to try to change what's happening at a political level. And then there is non-compliance. And I did structure the different categories of solutions in that order for, I think, for a reason, but we'll get into that. First, let's start with the legal challenges. And as I say, there are as many different legal uh, mandates or quasi-color of law regulations and what have you as there are uh, jurisdictions out there, so I can't give you the one-size-fits-all, this is what to do in uh, legally in your particular circumstances, but I trust in the intelligence of my viewership and you will know how to apply these different solutions or how to look up the particularities of your own um, uh, circumstances. But let's look at some example legal resources that are out there. And for that, we're going to start here on CorbettReport.com in the September open thread. If you don't know, every single month, at the, the uh, first weekend of the month, I open an open thread and there are usually hundreds of comments in there. People uh, providing links, talking about different aspects of the news and what's going on, all sorts of things going on in there. So um, definitely a good resource if you are, of course, it's free for anyone to go read. If you are a Corporate Report member, you can contribute to the September open thread. And as you see, there's an awful lot of information in here. Um, but I want to look at specifically one particularly helpful comment from a Corbett Report user who will be familiar to the Corbett Report old hands in the crowd, namely Home Remedy Supply, who often has some very important and uh, and useful links on a variety of subjects. And in this, in this instance, too, he has some pretty useful links. Uh, we're going to look at a post that he made about legal resources on vaccines. And there is a treasure trove of information and links in here. So I will invite you to explore all of these links at your leisure. And I will link this comment in particular in the show notes for today's episode. Please look at the show notes for today's episode. It is going to be absolutely jam-packed with resources, and I think it will be um, worth your time to to look at it. So, um, for example, let's just look at some of the resources that Home Remedy Supply has in here. For example, America's Frontline Doctors page, specifically their Legal Eagle Dream Team subsection page on vaccines and the law, where there's all sorts of very specific forms and letters and templates that people can use from AFLDS, San Francisco City and County Constituent Form, Adventist, NYC Constituent, Firefighter, United Airlines, Kentucky, Kaiser, Active Duty Military. I mean, all sorts of different resources in there for different forms and templates, as well as strategic litigation assistance and some talk about the different things that um, are being done to fight back against these mandates. So a very interesting resource there. Um, 
We'll skip over to the uh, state vac- uh, law and vaccine requirements from the National Vaccine Information Center, um, which has all sorts of breakdowns on um, where what kinds of exemptions exist in different states, at, at least at the moment, that may, may be changing. And um, there's a lot of caveats to that. But anyway, you if you are in the U.S., you can look up your particular state. And there's l- many, many more resources available from NVIC along these lines. Um, next, let's look at, uh, for example, gab.com has this uh, download COVID vaccine religious exemption documents here um, with Again, a lot of links to specific resources, an exemption template for employee employees to send to employers, um, college students, which can also be used and used by Protestant slash non-denominational believers in the workplace, uh, vaccine exemption, full military, practical side supporting document, blah, blah, blah. Uh, again, tons and tons of links and documents in here and resources for people. And let's look at an, one more from Home Remedy Supplies list here. Doctors for COVID Ethics has a resources page with all sorts of, again, very specific things. Um, uh, A letter of conditional acceptance slash consent, which of course is not really either. Um, Form for students attending colleges. Um, Employer and school disclosure forms for COVID-19 injections from Solari, as well as the family financial disclosure form for COVID-19 injections from Solari. Of course, Solari.com is the, uh, the website of frequent Corbett Report guest, Catherine Austin Fitz, and I hope you will be familiar with Solari. If not, I would suggest you at the very least take a look at their form for employees whose employers are requiring COVID-19 injections. And this was first um, posted earlier this year and then revised in July, Um, but it still has not taken full account of the approval that has been given to Comirnaty. Um, So some of this is not relevant to that discussion anymore. It's talking about the EUA, the emergency use authorization, under which most of the COVID vaccines are being given, but not Comirnaty anymore, which has received full approval. You can see more about that in a recent discussion that um, James Evan Pilato and I had on New World next week. But anyway, this has, again, lots of different notes, lots of resources, specific links to information, um, and other resource websites where you can find other templates and forms and things. And then this form at the bottom is specifically for employers requiring COVID-19 injections under emergency use authorization. So anything that has not been approved, any non-community vaccines, um, at least in the United States, you can, again, use this form or at least take a look at it and see if it can be adopted to your own personal circumstances. Lots of information uh, in there. So I'll link that up in the show notes as well. Um, and as I say, a lot of these have links to different sites that have uh, dozens of different links to different sites with resources, and, and there's no lack of templates and forms and documents that you can at least take a look at and see if it can be adapted to your particular circumstances, again, depending on your particular locale and the particular rules and regulations you are expected to abide by in that locale. But it's not just forms and letters. It's not just different things. Dear sir, I kindly refuse. I'd like to apply for an exemption. There are people who are coming up with some innovative legal challenges to these types of mandates, um, trying to take advantage of the legal, the rigged legal system as it exists. And one that I found particularly interesting as a Canadian um, is a Canadian who is proposing a way of using the egregious and Orwellian Anti-Free Speech Canadian Human Rights Commission, which if you don't know about, please look into the history of and some of their rulings and some of the things they talk about. Clearly, uh, a tool of oppression in some cases. There is somebody out there who is proposing a way to use the Canadian Human Rights Commission against the would-be vax passport pushers using the legal principle of non-discrimination. So this is a very, 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 very important message for people who live in Canada, specifically people who live in Winnipeg, because this is what's going on in Winnipeg, Manitoba, right now. I just got off the phone with the Human Rights Commission. If my business were to not let somebody in or somehow discriminate them, discriminate against them based off a medical condition or religious reason or the fact that they do not have an illegal vaccine passport, my business or any other business who discriminates them by not giving them access, letting them in, etc., is liable for thousands of dollars in fines and court costs. And I know what you're thinking. These are government. No, 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 no. The government 
cannot intervene in a dispute between a private person and a business or two businesses. So what does that mean? That means that when these businesses discriminate against you, they're going to try to say that they're following the government mandates and think that the government's going to help them. But these mandates are illegal. And that being illegal, the government is not going to help them. And what are they going to realize? That they're all on their own. And all you business owners out there who are trying to discriminate against people and ask for a vaccine passport, you're setting yourself up for a lot of legal costs. And I'm going to say one more thing to everybody out there. And I'm glad you're listening. I hope you're listening. I'm going to say this to everybody out there. Any place that you know is asking for a vaccine passport, you go there and you have them deny you service because you don't have one. And when that happens, you're going to contact the Human Rights Commission and you're going to file a complaint. And then you're going to get a file number. And then you're going to give a statement and tell them exactly what happens. And then that business is going to get served because this is a legal proceeding. And they're going to have to answer to these charges of violating your human rights. You don't need an exemption for this of any sort. You just need to be a human being who has made a decision to not put a substance in your body that you don't believe in. That is your right. And because you chose not to, a business does not have a right to discriminate against you and not allow you access. Yes, great. The legal principle of non-discrimination. I'm all for monkey-wrenching the New World Order and using their own rules, regulations, and laws against them. So by all means, I hope that when and if it comes to this and businesses start throwing people out because they're not vaccinated, that somebody does uh, try to take this to the Canadian Human Rights Commission and does press this matter legally. I think we do need that kind of resistance and pushback. Having said that, you will forgive me for not holding my breath and waiting for the Canadian Human Rights Commission or any court to gavel down on the right side of history on this or any other extremely pressing issue. I think people can get a little bit too excited about various legal maneuvers and believe that because, look, this magic parchment has these words written on it and I'm following these words or this, this is against those words that you've written down, so you can't do that. It's a piece of paper, and it is barely worth the paper that it's written on, and it's a paper parchment. Try try putting that over your chest and seeing if that will stop the bullets that will be drilled into you by the enforcers of these various laws. I don't think it will get you very far in that regard, and I think that's the way we have to understand the legal recourse. It can work sometimes, and I do think we do need to push back on this front, and so I'm absolutely for anyone who's willing to try and go for that. Having said that, I'm not holding my breath and waiting for the legal system to deliver actual justice. I think that the real transformation has to take place at a more fundamental level, if for nothing else than the fact that the men with the guns who enforce the laws have in their minds, they think, well, no, the law is this, and I have to do that to you in order to get you to go along with this, or you can't do that because it's against the law. It's about what's in the enforcer's minds more so than what's written down on some magic piece of paper. So, again, forgive my cynicism. I do think people should try to press this, and obviously that's for the Canadian jurisdiction in particular, but everyone out there can obviously find the similar strategies and legal ideas in their own neck of the woods. Um, but as I say, don't rely on that. Um, another example of that phenomenon, well, it says this on this piece of paper, is the Nuremberg Code. And I note that a lot of the, at least the armchair uh, legal theorists on online will cite the, the Nuremberg Code as a clear example of how these types of vaccine, quote unquote, mandates uh, are in clear violation of international law, Right. Well, let's explore that idea a little bit more closely. So there are any number of um, people writing online about the Nuremberg Code and how it applies to these mandates. So for I'll just take one that just popped up in my feed just the other day from uh, Michelle Chosadovsky over at globalresearch.ca. The COVID-19 vaccine and the Nuremberg Code, Crimes Against Humanity, Genocide, uh, in which he starts by talking about the so-called vaccines and the problems associated with them, and then goes into some detail about the Nuremberg Code. And he writes that focusing on the experimental nature of the mRNA vaccine and its devastating health impacts, legal analysts have raised the issue of the historic Nuremberg Nazi doctors trial from 1946 to 47, in which Nazi doctors were charged for war crimes, specifically in the conduct of medical experiments on both prisoners in, in the concentration camps 
and civilians. And he goes on to talk about the medical case, a.k.a. U.S. v. Carl Brandt et al., a.k.a. the doctor's trial, which was prosecuted in 1946 and 47. Uh, the verdict was delivered on August 19th of 1947, and the Nuremberg Code was enacted. And so there were 10 principles of the Nuremberg Code, and several of them relate to the idea of Man- vaccine mandates and vaccine passports, and according to Chosodowski, have been vl- blatantly violated. So the first principle of the Nuremberg Code seems pretty cut and dry. The voluntary consent of the human subject is absolutely essential. And it says that this means that the person involved should have legal capacity to give consent, should be so situated as to be able to exercise free power of choice without the intervention of any element of force, fraud, deceit, duress, overreaching, or other ulterior form of constraint or coercion, no jab, no job, and should have sufficient knowledge and comprehension of the elements of the subject matter involved as to enable him to make an understanding and enlightened decision. This latter element requires that before the acceptance of an affirmative decision by the experimental subject, there should be made known to him the nature, duration, and purpose of the experiment, the method and means by which it is to be conducted, all inconveniences and hazards reasonably to be expected, and the effects upon his health or person which may possibly come from his participation in the experiment." Well, that seems pretty cut and dry, doesn't it? And you can continue reading on through the other principles and the way that uh, Chosodovsky, for example, argues that they apply clearly to what's happening today. But you'd be wrong, according to the fact checkers over at CTV News, that that legal bastion, <laughs> the authority on all matters legal, um, who will tell you in their coronavirus fact check section by Nicole Bogart at Enlin Bogart on Twitter, if you happen to be there. No, COVID-19 vaccines do not violate the Nuremberg Code. So it starts with a little bit of spiel about the vaccine mandates and the Nuremberg Code and what it is and where it comes from. But then it goes into some specifics about how COVID-19 vaccines are long past the experimental stage. The Nuremberg Code is specifically about experimentation, which means its principles are no longer relevant once a vaccine has been through a clinical trial and approved for use. The four COVID-19 vaccines approved for use in Canada approved or authorized? Under what legal authority? What does approved mean in this case? Including Pfizer-BioNTech, Moderna, and AstraZeneca all underwent rigorous, carefully monitored, large-scale clinical trials before being reviewed by Health Canada. It's been very interesting to see people bringing up the Nuremberg trials when, in fact, that time is long gone. These are approved medications, demonstrable lie, that are outside the auspices of the Nuremberg Code. Dr. Alexis Patton, Chair of Ethics for the UK Royal College of Physicians and trustee of the UK-based Institute of Medical Ethics, told ctvnews.ca by phone Tuesday. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, one of the things that occurs to me just reading that is, uh, what, uh, are you quoting a UK-based bioethicist in your Canadian fact check about whether the Nuremberg Code laws apply to Health Canada <laughs> rules and guidelines? <laughs> really? Why are you phoning the UK for <laughs> this information? Uh, one might well ask, why are you phoning a bioethicist if you have seen my work on bioethics and the new eugenics? If not, you should check it out. I think it's highly relevant to exactly this type of fact check that promotes demonstrable untruths about the approved quote-unquote nature of these vaccines that, in fact, have been emergency use authorized. The accession being, of course, the FDA has now approved community, and you can see uh, my take on that in a recent New World Next Week that I did with James Evan Pilato, um, where we talked about that community approval and what it means. But anyway, well, AstraZeneca, for, ex- for instance, it certainly isn't approved in the same way. So that is one demonstrable lie. The other is that the clinical trials, they're all done. This is all long gone. This isn't a trial anymore. This is an experiment. Actually, it is. No, literally, the clinical trials of all of these various quote-unquote so-called vaccines that aren't vaccines are still ongoing. We're not expecting results of those trials until 2023. Everyone who is taking these shots is knowingly or not a participant in an ongoing clinical trial. They may not be a registered participant in the trial, but the trials are still ongoing. Is that information being provided every single time someone gets one of these shots? I don't think so. I think this is clearly a breach of that first principle of Nuremberg. But here's the question. Who cares what James Corbett thinks? 
some Canadian living in Japan looking at news online, what does the judge in the courtroom think? That's really where the rubber meets the road when it comes to legal challenges. So, yes, absolutely, this seems quite blatantly a, a violation of Nuremberg Code to me, but that really isn't the operative thing when it comes to whether or not you're going to win in the courtroom, now is it? And that's further complicated by the fact that the Nuremberg Code has not actually been adopted into law by any particular country. It is a set of guidelines that is often used and referenced in the setting of medical experimentation, ethics guidelines, and other things by various national health bodies, but it isn't actually part of the law of any particular country, so you can't even cite it in that strictly legal um, sense. So... There are problems to these ideas. Yes, of course. Uh, to every right-thinking human being, I think this is quite obviously applicable to what was talked about at Nuremberg. But there are a lot of wrong-thinking human beings, and unfortunately a lot of them happen to wear the black robes of the uh, the Saturnalian priesthood of the, the courtroom. And unfortunately, they get to gavel down what is and isn't law, according to their interpretation, more often than not. So again, I'm not saying don't try these things, but be aware of their limitations. Another case in point, the exemptions, right? We can work around this. We can get exemptions. And don't worry, This the, the laws that they write that supposedly mandate these things, they say, well, if you have a, a really uh, fervently held religious belief or philosophical uh, grounding, you can really? Can you really exempt yourself from this? Well, the Hill has been following this quite closely for some reason. So, for example, a couple of weeks ago, they had this. United Airlines warns of unpaid leave for staff given religious vaccine exemptions, noting that United Airlines told its staff Wednesday that those who are granted religious exemptions from getting vaccinated against the coronavirus will be placed on a temporary unpaid leave. And then it says, uh, now United is telling its employees that those who apply for a religious exemption and are denied must get their first shot by September 27th or they will be terminated, CNBC reported. United staffers who are granted medical exemptions will reportedly be placed on temporary medical leave, presumably until they get the jab. So there you go. Yeah, you get your exemption, but we're going to fire you. (laughs) What kind of exemption is that? I'm not sure. Um, This is, of course, all evolving. So this story probably has evolved since the time this was written a couple of weeks ago. But At any rate, this is the type of games that are being played. Uh, It gets even more ridiculous. How about this? Religious exemption to vaccine mandates may be difficult to obtain as Amish case shows. And this one goes on to say that new mandates could force millions of Americans to get the coronavirus vaccines, uh, but exemptions may be available for those who have a medical condition or a sincerely held religious belief that prevents them from getting vaccinated. In our world of bureaucrats gone wild, what counts as a sincerely held religious belief is anything but simple, you don't say. A recent case unrelated to the pandemic illustrates the point. When an Amish community in Minnesota sought a religious exemption from state water control regulations, power-hungry bureaucrats denied the religious exemption, claiming that the group's religious beliefs were not sincerely held, which, as this article goes on to point out, is the most absurd thing that you can possibly try to argue. But that's exactly what they're arguing. And hey, they're the rulers. They set the law. They make laws, right? That's where laws come from. They come from lawmakers, lawgivers, our legislature. I have sincere issues with that idea of what law is and where its authority derives from, but there you go. They are the ones, at any rate, with control of the, at the very least, the purse strings of the enforcement class who will enforce their orders. So, once again, you can argue religious exemption, but even if you're Amish, you may not get it. Oh, we don't really believe you guys are really sincerely believe what you're saying. <laughs> I think this whole skewing technology thing and all of that, that's just for show. You're just trying to fool us. We know better. <laughs> Absolutely unbelievable. So, um, so now let's, okay, so those are legal challenges and legal challenges, as I say, pursue them. If you think you can make headway with that. You can get something. You can get around this and go for it and, and try it and press it and challenge them in the courts. Sure. But don't hold your breath waiting for the, the court to make the right decision. So let's move to the second category of solution here, which is workarounds, ways to sort of skirt around it, not just exemptions, but ways that you can actually work around the system that they're trying to put into place. Now, 
We've already talked about that to some degree. For example, go back to how to meet like-minded people here in the Solutions Watch series, where we talked about things like Unjected and the freedompages.ca, and there are more and more and more of those types of sites coming online every day. I get people emailing them, uh, me about them. That's great. Please leave them in the comments section so other people can find them. Um, I, I know, for example, just the other day I saw an, an email about the Novax Mandate jo jab board, Job Board from Gab. There's many such things along those lines. So there are people who are going to start setting up some sort of alternative economy, like some of us have been telling people to do for many years now. Well, now people are starting to see the need for that, and they're starting to find ways to meet, and, okay, okay this employer doesn't require a mandate, that sort of thing. So that's one way of sort of working around the system, rather than uh, going through the courts. And uh, another way that we have explored in the past here on Solutions Watch, I will remind you about forging vaccine passports, in which I discussed... Did not endorse, but I did discuss the idea of forging vaccine passports in order to get through the, the guards, as it were, at a particular locale for a particular occasion. As, I mean, please see that full episode for all the caveats and provisos and the problems I foresee with that plan. But at any rate, that is a form of workaround of this system. Sometimes it could be much simpler and much more direct, which is, if not to bluff your way through, at least to work with, rather than against, rather than making a scene or trying to challenge or sue uh, the, the, the enforcers at the bottom level of the power pyramid that you're coming up against, try to work with these people who may or may not be on your side or at least not in the mood to try to argue with another argumentative customer and may just go along with with the charade and uh, and participate in a ruse of some sort. And as an example of that, I'm going to cite a recent interesting little video from Dan Dix of PressForTruth.ca talking about how to dine at a restaurant even if there are vaccine mandates in place unvaxxed. Hey there, guys. So uh, we just had a pretty cool experience that I wanted to share with you. As you may or may not know, here in British Columbia, they've instituted the vaccine passport anytime you want to go dining in a restaurant. Well, this is the first time we've uh, attempted to go to a restaurant. We decided we go have one of our favorite things to have, which is a good old fashioned Vietnamese pho. So we went to a place. I won't mention the name. I'll tell you why in a minute. But as soon as we went in there, we sat down. He took our order. And then he said, I'm going to have to see your vaccine passport pass, QR code thing. And knowing there was other customers close around, I very quietly just said, we don't have those. <laughs> and uh, he stood there, not really knowing what to do much. So I pulled out my phone and I said, I can show you something. And I opened up my phone and didn't even open anything. I just showed him the homepage. Light screen. Light screen. <laughs> Took him a second to realize what I was doing. And he eventually looked at it pretended to scan it and said, okay, can I see yours? She <laughs> held up the phone and showed him nothing. He pretended to do something and said, okay, uh, you're good. And uh, we, we, sat, we sat and enjoyed a fantastic, lovely little Vietnamese pho. So just go to the show, guys. When there's a will, there's always a way. But be patient and kind. Yes, be patient and kind. Um, it's very difficult times for everyone. Even guys like him, you know, if he was really going to hold firm, I would have just left. Yeah. But I tried that, and it worked. So, uh, yeah, give that a shot yourself, guys. Hat tip to Dandix, pressfortruth.ca, out there keeping it real in Canada, in British Columbia, where it is increasingly difficult to participate in daily life without signs of your jab. And there are ways to get around the various health screen, health pass, QR code nonsense that's being instituted in various places, especially when a lot of the waiters and business owners don't want to be doing this in the first place, and they certainly don't want to be serving as the enforcement arm for these political and legal decisions that are being handed down from on high. So they may be on your side, and you don't know until you test that. So Again, in particular cases, in particular circumstances, when you need to go into a certain business or you need to eat out at some point, you can try something like this and you never know. You might get a, get get around the laws that are supposedly in place that are only as good as the people who are enforcing them. Having said that, is that 
the fundamental underlying magic bullet solution to the problem that we're facing? Well, clearly not, because there will be uh, waiters and other people in those positions who are willing to enforce those laws, if that's what we call them. So no, the deeper root of this issue is beyond this sort of surface level law and enforcement game that is being played. And it is a game and you can play it in various ways. And hats off to people who find ways around the situation in various times. But the deeper root of this problem is obviously further down. Uh, One way that we can look at this, well, if the legal tree springs from the political roots, at least in the minds of the people who have been trained to believe that law is handed down from our lawmakers on Capitol Hill or the equivalent thereof, well, then we must look to the political realm for the solution here, right? Dot, dot, dot. You you know there's going to be some caveats on that coming later. But for the moment, let's look at the political level of this and what can be done at the political level um, to counteract those legal problems that are coming from the legislators. And again, as you know, I'm an anarchist and I do not give my time, energy, consent, acknowledgement to the political level. But for people who are living on that practical level and uh, looking for political solutions, of course, there are many different avenues and paths towards political solutions to this. Now, we can look at the very grandiose, the national level politics, at which you and myself and most people who are watching or listening to this are probably not going to be able to affect very much at the national level. But much more realistically, um, rather than writing your congressman or your MP or what have you. You can petition your town council. You can get involved directly with the school boards. You can go to those kinds of meetings, the town halls, the um, PTA meetings and other such things. Insert yourself, become a thorn in their side and a pain in their butt and make sure that your voice is part of that process. And if enough people do participate in that, successes can be had at the local level, especially Obviously, I'm very, very skeptical about national conversations and statewide mandates and things like that. But at your local town level and in the U.S. where you can um, elect your sheriff and things like this, there are definitely ways that you can apply pressure at a much local, more local level that can have an effect. So there's all of those options that are on the table. There's also, of course, to address the wider conversation and the national conversation that's going on that feeds into the political dialogue that creates these national mandates, there is, of course, petition for redress of grievances. Isn't that part of some constitution or other somewhere in the world? Well, anyway, there are petitions that people can be a part of. And one that just recently came to my attention is the Together Declaration at togetherdeclaration.org. And if you go there, you'll see, you'll encounter the declaration, which states that we, the undersigned, reject vaccine passports or any similar form of medical certification in the United Kingdom and invite you to add your voice to ours by signing this open letter. Together, we represent more than 200 organizations, business groups, campaigners, and professionals who have come together because we are gravely concerned about where the introduction of vaccine passports could lead. And then they go on to talk about the hard, hard-won liberties and rights that were fought for and defended by our ancestors and how they are under threat of this type of vaccine passport mandate. Um, you can look at the About Us page on togetherdeclaration.org where you can find out more. For example, Together is a nationwide alliance of campaign groups, business leaders, professionals, and citizens of the UK united in opposition to the unnecessary unnecessary authoritarian government response to COVID-19. And they have sections on vaccine passports, vaccinating children, Coronavirus Act of 2020, medical freedom, mass testing, lockdowns, and open debate. Uh, they have a launch video where you can see Um, several of the speakers who are uh, co-signers, presumably, of the Together Declaration, talking about what this means for them. There's an MP letter, legal section, contact. And if you go through all of that and you are in the UK and you think this is important, you can, of course, sign the declaration. And it has the little caveat in there about your private information and what have you. Obviously, I'm not making any endorsements here. I'm just saying this is an option on the table for people in the UK. Again, there are similar options in different locales around the world. I'm sure people can dig up their own particular um, uh, together organizations or what have you that are operating in their own neck of the woods. And beyond 
the sort of petitions and grandiose things or beyond the town hall meetings or that sort of thing. There's the good old-fashioned boots-on-the-street activism of going to protests and making your voice heard that way, something that is happening around the world as we speak. Construction workers are protesting on the streets of Melbourne in light of mandatory vaccines. Correct. Some pretty sensational scenes here in Melbourne CBD earlier with uh, construction workers essentially taking to the streets of Melbourne, sitting on tables and chairs in a strike, essentially, in retaliation of this new announcement yesterday. Yes, protests are taking place all around the world against the draconian mandates. You can see it happening in Italy and France. That right there is from Times Square this past weekend. Australia, all around the world, people are protesting and making their voices heard. So, for example, about that Times Square protest, you can find out more at activistpost.com, which recently had an article, This Is Not Political. Thousands gather at Freedom Rally in New York City to oppose vaccine passport, which notes that thousands gathered near Central Park in Manhattan on Saturday to express their discontent with the vaccine mandates and passport requirements implemented on the city by Mayor Bill de Blasio this month. Participants first gathered at Columbus Circle and then marched to Times Square, led by one of the speakers, Joe Rose. If you took the vaccine, I love you. This is not against you. We are pro-freedom, she announced to passersby. Uh, participants chanted, my body, my choice, no vaccine passports, and freedom over fear. So yes, these protests are taking place, and cynicism, of course, is always warranted in cases like this, that this is going to be the answer, or where people power will march, like in the 60s. Obviously, things are a bit different than they were in the 60s, and even then, was that really the answer? But it still is, I think, important to make our voices heard in this way, which is undeniable social proof. Um, at the very least, to other people, other like-minded people in the crowd who think, who feel, who are constantly told and propagandized that they're all alone and nobody thinks like them and everybody's on board with this agenda. No, no, there are many, 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 many people who are not, not, not on board with this agenda. Do not believe the lying polls that they shove in your face. Everyone's for this. You're crazy if you're not. No, go and look at the real world, and there are people out there. So at the very least, it is undeniable social proof that there are people against this agenda. And as I noted in How to Meet Like-Minded People here on Solutions Watch, it is a way to meet some like-minded people with all the caveats in mind of... Uh, consorting with uh, people who may or may not be who they say and all of that sort of thing. But at any rate, it is a way of making contact with people who are not on board with the agenda. So I think protest is an important aspect of what's going on and something that should be kept in mind. Now, having said that, again, I think certainly even you don't have to take it from an anarchist, although... I would say this, but I think there are, at the very least, limits, limitations to what we can achieve through the political process, be that a participation in local city council and town hall and what have you, or school board meetings and going to the streets and all of the, the finding petitions and all of that sort of activity. I'm not discouraging anyone from any of it, but we have to realize the limitations of that type of political activity, um, which it was articulated extremely well in a recent edition of the Paths to Liberty podcast from the Tenth Amendment Center, where Michael Bold Boldman Bolden of the Tenth Amendment Center um, said this, I think, very well uh, on a recent edition of his podcast called Beware of Fake Resistance to Mandates. Good morning and thank you for joining me on the Path to Liberty. It's Wednesday, September 15th. 
2021. And today I've got a follow up on Monday's episode where I explored the important question that a lot of people are asking. Can states do anything? Can states nullify the new federal mandates? And on this episode, I've got a little bit of a warning about politicians grandstanding. And I know that's actually normally redundant. But really, in this situation, I'm talking about those that are pretending to resist, specifically resist these new mandates, but doing things which just sound good on the surface. They're good for campaigns. They're good for fundraising. They're good talking points, but little is done to change things in practice and effect. All right. Obviously, that is just the introduction to that half hour long podcast, but I do commend it to your attention if you are interested in this subject. I think it is quite pertinent to what we're discussing today. And Michael Bolden, I think, makes some very important points there. But just the cheat sheet of uh, what he's talking about, the four methods of fake resistance uh, that he's talking about there are number one, federal lawsuits. Number two, non-binding resolutions, not laws. Number three, voting the bums out. Vote harder, guys. And number four, waiting on the feds to fix the problem that the feds have created. All of which I think we have addressed in some form today, but he goes into some degree of detail about it. I think it is worth listening to. Uh, Also worth reading a related post that he put on his blog at the 10th Amendment Center uh, just a few days ago called Executive Orders and How to Stop Them, where Michael Bolden writes, at the end of the day, It's not liberty if it comes with a government permission slip. And I think that is an apt observation and very much in line with the way that I'm thinking. Now, that's not to say if there is a government permission slip there and you need it in this particular circumstance to do this particular thing, use it. Sure, I'm not going to judge anyone for using any tool that is at their disposal at the time that it's at their disposal. But I think we can all understand that that is not the fundamental solution to this problem. It is at best a stopgap measure that will work until it doesn't work and may actually only be there to give you this the feeling that don't worry, come into this r- a trap, little mouse. Here's the cheese. Look, you don't have to do anything. You have this permission slip. Oops, we took the permission slip away and the trap comes down on the mouse. I think we understand how that can work. So yes, use it when you can, while you can, how you can, but be Be aware that that is not the fundamental solution. As I say, Michael Bolden makes many, many important points in that podcast. I'll commend it to your attention to watch on your own time. But let's get to the deeper root of this problem. We started with the legal sort of games and trappings, but that isn't the root of the problem. That's really the the fruit of this tree of evil. And the branches or the trunk of this tree of evil are coming from the political level, the would-be legislators who presume to make, to write law into existence and to be able to mandate by executive decree this or that thing upon the public. But there's an even deeper level of this because it isn't ultimately about this political game that is played. Does anyone think that it is the politicians who are running this international coordinated build back better agenda, every country in the world instituting the same digital QR code vaccine passports at the same time? Clearly not. This is about a much deeper phenomenon that's happening, and it is happening because so much of the public, or enough of the public, let's put it that way, let's not buy into their propaganda. Everyone is on board with this. You're the only crazy fringe wingnut lunatic who doesn't believe in it. No, no, no. There are many people who don't believe in it. But there is enough, at least tacit support from the public, to allow this agenda to proceed. Because as with so many of these other agendas that we have faced as a species throughout history against the predatory class that preys upon us, the would-be rulers of society, who have always been there like the parasites feeding off the rest of us and preying upon us and presuming to rule over us and putting us in these various traps, they are always only allowed to do what they do because we tend to go along with it. This is not a new point. I've talked about this before, the 500-year-old trick for ending tyranny that tyrants hate. Um, talking, of course, about Etienne de la Boite and the discourse of voluntary servitude. You've heard this before if you are a listener to the Corbett Report. But it is no, nonetheless, it is worth repeating that tyrants are able to function and uh, tyranny is allowed to proceed because so many people go along with it, at least in the main. And if enough people 
Say no. Hell no. Make me, make me do that. Make it happen. No, I'm not going to quit my job because you say there's some sort of mandate in part. No, you fire me and then I'll sue your ass. And then who knows? Yeah, maybe the court's going to gavel it down on the wrong side. But at any rate, you're, you can beat the rat, but you can't beat the ride. We're going to go for it. We're going to do this. We need more of those people who are willing to put their foot down and say, no, make me. You make me do this. And if a few people do that, absolutely, they can make an example out of those people. But if millions upon millions of people are putting their, putting their foot down and saying no, if all sorts of people suddenly, I'm not, I'm not working for you if you're going to put this mandate in place, and you, you're going to have to fire me, and I'm going to sue you, and we're going to go through that ride, and we're going to do this. If enough people do that, they will not be able to enforce this tyranny. It will be mathematically impossible for this tyranny to be enforced. This is an important point. This is the deeper level that, yes, of course, this is ultimately a psychological th game that is being played right now. Um, there's several layers on which it is being played. There are the people who have simply bought hook, line, and sinker into the entire narrative of this entire scamdemic and are uh, absolutely bought in. And they really believe that wearing the mask and taking the shot and everything is, is the solution and the way out. And everyone who isn't doing that are the bad people and we need to get them. There are those people at the bottom layer of the trough of propaganda. Um, there are the people who are at the slightly higher level that, yeah, I don't... Uh, look, there's something clearly wrong here, but everyone seems to be going along with it, so I'll go along with it. And then there's... The rest of us who understand what's going on, know what, what is happening, can see it unfolding like a nightmare. What do we do about it? We have to, at the very least, take into the only thing we have left in our humanity is our ability to say, nope, nope, you might be able to force me to do it, but I'm going to make you, I'm going to make you force me. I'm going to make you make me. Now, that's an important, and it's a powerful little phrase. M no, make them make you is a powerful little phrase, and it just happens to be one of the phrases that Ernest Hancock is putting on his signs. You might remember on a uh, not-too-distant uh, past version of Solutions Watch, we were talking about um, signs and the, the work that uh, Ernest Hancock is doing at uh, freedomsphoenix.com. He's going around uh, helping people to make signs in their various local communities with various messages. Uh, support your first responders in refusing the shots, or or those types of messages. And one of the messages that's very popular right now is make them make you. Make them make you do what? Well, whatever, whatever it is, make them make you. Uh, don't comply is ultimately the message behind that. And uh, the signs are still going strong. In fact, uh, Ernie was just taking a little stop somewhere in Arizona where he was helping some local activists in Prescott, Arizona, um, making uh, signs. They made over 200 signs for Prescott Valley, just cover the valley in signs with uh, uh, support for first responders who say no to mandatory shots and other such um, uh, messages. And he took some time out for his uh, regular weekly conversation. You might know I'm on Declare Your Independence with Ernest Hancock every week. And uh, last week on the program, we were talking, uh, me and Ernie and Dara, Arizona Dara, as she's known, uh, who is was a, a legislature a legislator at a local legislature there in Arizona who had been inspired by the Ron Paul Lovolution to get on board and to get into the political process and got in at the local level and became a local politician of sorts and then got disillusioned by that, realizing that that is not the answer. And we had a nice three-way conversation about this idea of non-compliance as being the fundamental layer of the solution ladder, I suppose, um, if, we're, if we're looking at it that way. And so I would invite you to watch that whole conversation. Of course, I'll link it in the show notes. It's there up on the Freedom Phoenix page, as my conversation with Ernie is every single week. But let's just take a listen to a little bit of that conversation where we talked about the idea of non-compliance. The one that kind of surprised me was a popular sign. It has a Minuteman with a musket, and it says, the beginning is nigh, you know? And then there's one you know, take the shot or the shot, and it's a gun or a hypodermic. And I think um, uh, noncompliance is becoming a thing. And, you know, I wanted to uh, bring Dara on because uh, she was here, you know, and everybody, you know, she's like a fictitious female that is like, uh, yeah, I don't want to be, nobody know anything anymore. I, I, I went low key. But uh, she's starting to come out because she's been through this. 
and uh, did the Ron Paul Revolution thing, got involved in politics, elected official, went through it and saw the agenda from the inside. So there's, you know, and, you know, James and I really focus on, you know, solutions and what, what do you think the solutions are? Noncompliance, disobedience, um, ignoring the rulers out of existence. I don't think we're going to do this through courts. I don't think we're going to do it through uh, legislation. I think we're past that. And I think that if we're really going to resist this tyranny, it needs to be disobedience at this point. I couldn't agree more. Um, that's such an important point, but it's one that people continue to fail to understand at the most basic level is that this is not ultimately going to be legislated out of existence. It's not going to be gaveled down in some courtroom. It's going to be people putting their foot down to end this is what's going to end this. Look, every single step of what they're doing, getting people isolated, staying home, keeping them apart from others, telling them that they have to do these certain things or they're a bad person, is exactly what you do when you're torturing people or indoctrinating them into a cult, which is exactly what's happening. Mental, the mental health crisis that's going on right now is off the scale, off the charts, and people are doing whatever they can to hang on to their identity and oh, I can be a good person and I'm going to follow the rules. And that's such a, a powerful motivator for, for so many people that and unfortunately they know how to flip that switch and how to make people do what they really, want. Yeah, It's really unfortunate that people don't really take into consideration that you cannot, absolutely impossible to obey your way out of tyranny. It doesn't <laughs> work. I'm going, to obey my, I'm going to obey my way out of this this craziness. It doesn't work like that. And all they have to do to regain their identity is to remove the mask. It you know, is, it's more than you know what we need. You know what we need. Resistance. And this is the best part. I can finally call on all those buttheads and the ordinary assholes out there who delight in just, you know, causing problems for people and being, being uh, cl clowns. Great. We need you because you are the people who will be absolutely fine with displaying your non-compliance wearing it making and come on make me make me move from this place mm -hmm. you 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 fire me first i'm not quitting you fire me i'm not following your orders be the butthead and make them do things to you yeah, i know a lot of people do anything they can't to avoid conflict yeah. we need the people who want conflict to sit there and not do what they say and it's that's it you don't have to pick up your gun and start shooting people yeah. just do not comply and make a big scene of it so you model for others because I know there are so many people out there right now. I think I'm the only one. Everyone seems to be going along with it. I guarantee you're not. It's just a lot of other people are going around thinking, I'm the only one. I, everyone's going along with it. I better go along with it too. That's how this happens. We have to start modeling and displaying noncompliance. Well, that's what these signs are for. The, the one that uh, is gaining popularity is make them make it, you know? I just, you know, make them make you. Well, make you do what? I don't know. Just make them make you. You know, just that attitude. Once again, that is myself, Ernest Hancock, and Arizona Dara talking about noncompliance and signs and many other things. Once again, the link will be in the show notes so you can go and watch that full conversation. But it's interesting to me, from my own perspective, how things keep circling around the same issues going back to the very beginning of my work and some of the earliest things I ever put out, talking about that the fundamental root of our problems is at the consciousness level and that the revolution of the mind is going to be the thing that either changes for the better and we progress as a species or we will be enslaved as a species. And I think we are coming to the crunch time a lot faster than anyone thought. Also, the observation that it's a chump's game and the only winning move is not to play, continues to be a relevant observation to these types of legal games and other things that are being imposed on us. Yes, you can play their game and you can dance and try to outsmart them and outwit them, and sometimes it might even work, but that doesn't seem like the fundamental solution to their rigged game. No, the fundamental solution is to create our own game somewhere else and uh, to not comply with their orders. These are some of the fundamental issues that we keep coming back to. So I put that on the table as the underlying root issue of what we're dealing with. 
that will be the long-term answer to these, not just these particular problems in this particular context of the year 2021, but more broadly, more generally, all of the problems that I have brought to your attention over the last 14 years at CorporateReport.com. So, having said that, I want to stress once uh, once again a couple of things. First of all, um, this is not to say this is the solution and anything else is just playing games or something. No, this is not an either-or scenario. This is a yes-and scenario. Yes, let's do that. Let's pursue legal challenges. And let's, let's use workarounds. And let's do protests and petitions. And let's not comply. And let's do absolutely anything we can, throw everything and the kitchen sink, and keep pressing forward and trying every tool in the toolbox, everything that's available to us. This is the time, if ever there was a time, to throw as many wrenches into the works as possible to try to stop those gears from grinding. And we'll see what works. Uh, This is not a time for pontificating, it is a time for doing. So I hope that Having said that, I mean, it's overwhelming and there's many, as I say, there's as many different permutations of laws and mandates and restrictions and what's possible and what's not. And let alone each individual person's risk reward calculus as there are people out there. So I cannot possibly offer the big one size fits all solution. But I've put many things on the table today. Look at the show notes. There's a ton of resources there for you to begin exploring. Hopefully that will branch you out to to where you can find out more about your own particular locale and your own particular experience. And as always, please do report back and let us know what works, what doesn't, what what's happening in your neck of the woods, how you're dealing with it, what you have tried, what you have yet to try, what has worked for you, what has not worked for you, etc. This is valuable information. And the more of that data that we can gather, the more people who come along to this conversation later on will have something to work with. And that's uh, that's one of the key points of Solutions Watch is not that I'm on high sitting here telling you what to do. This is how to save the world, and this is how you can can act in the world. No, of course not. I'm putting ideas on the table, and hopefully we can work together to amass more data about what ideas work and what don't. So all of that being said, this is an exceptionally important uh, struggle that we're engaged in right now, and I take it very seriously. I'm sure a lot of you do too. So I'm uh, always interested in your feedback on these issues and we'll keep plowing forward together, looking at different ideas for solutions and how we can help change the world for the better. Solutions Watch. On that note, I'll be speaking to you again shortly. I am James Corbett of CorbettReport.com.